All right. Thank you, team. It's great to have a team uh, helping us worship. I, I do, I do, I love worshiping the Lord. It's great to have some drums and some bass and just kind of love. So I really, really appreciate the group here today. Thanks, Chris, for leading us. Uh, just an opportunity, as we, he said, like we're, we're here in spirit, you know, worshiping the Lord in spirit now in truth as we get in God's word this morning. We're, we're, if you're new with us, welcome. Glad, glad to have you. Uh, my name is Dan Sturz, the pastor here at North Bay. And, uh, you know, of course, if you're jumping down the line, good to have you. Um, we're going to do a few things today. We're going to share our message, and then we're going to have a time of communion. So be ready for that if you're online and you're right now in this moment going, what do I need to do for that? Grab, you know, some juice crackers, toast, coffee, whatever you need there uh, as you do that. But we'll have an opportunity. You'll be served here at the end of our time. Uh, but we're wrapping up a series that we've just been doing for a few weeks called Live a Better Story. And the, the idea of this is that, well, we all love a great story, don't we? I, I do, I read a lot, I read novels and, and, and watch movies, and I know it's a really good movie or storyline is when there's suspense, right? I don't know where this is going to turn. There's character development, and then all of a sudden there's a crisis or tragedy or difficulty, and, and then how does that those in the, in, the, in, the, in the story, the characters, how do they transform from victimhood to victory and, and experience that? And we, I mean, we love the drama, right? We love, like, at, be on the edge of our seats of, of great stories as, as long as it's not our own, <laughs> right? Spare the drama in our own life. We love, we're okay to read about or watch drama about someone else. And like, those poor people, and they survived it, and they got through it. Wow, that touched my heart, right? And yet for our own story, you're like, thank you, no thank you. I, I really don't want to go there. But yet, we think about where you're at today. What you've gone through makes up who you are. You've experienced a lot in your life when it comes to story. And so our challenge has been is to look at this going, if you want to you know, change your life, actually from this point on, you, you actually can change your story. And, and this isn't a humanistic thinking. This is just a, an empowerment that, the, that God has given us something. He has given us the pen of our life to write a better chapter of our story. Yes, he's sovereign and he's control and he's writing the big story, but he's handed us, our lives, this, the, the ability empowered by the Holy Spirit to write the next better story of our life. And we have a choice. Do we write a better story? Do we write a bitter story? Do we, how will we move forward from this point on? Some of you had the opportunity. We have these little journals. There's not much to this. It's basically the challenge, write your story down. And you might get halfway through it and going, I still got pages to do. Well, you're still alive, okay? Keep writing your story. It's so important. We look back in our life, God, you've come through. Man, we, we sang today, oh, how God has been faithful. He's been good. And all these, he's taking us through. So the last few weeks, we've been talking about this, and, and we've looked at different lives. Uh, first week, Janelle Bruin did a masterful job just sharing her story, going from this backyard moment, she realized she, she was a single mom, and then really became very successful in her business, but what was really where success lies in is how God did something through her and in her and to her, her, whole, her whole family and the transformation to take place. We, we've looked at we looked last week at, at, at Exodus, and we looked at Moses and how he had a choice, put aside the excuses to live a better story. Now, right now, what we're going to do is we're going to listen to another story, another, another life that has been impacted greatly and is here today, actually 
I want you to take a look at the story right now. Take a look at this. Nelson, I started to come to Christ the King Church because I went to Good News, but then after I was told to not go to Good News anymore, I went to Christ the King in Bellingham. Then I moved from Bellingham to here, and I like smaller church. It's more personal. Yeah. When I was uh, 15 years old, I moved from Bellingham to Friday Harbor, San Juan Island, to live with my dad. I became a player and a thief. I think they were to be promiscuous, and I had a lot of fun, spent a lot of time in jail, picked up a few felonies. Then it, after living there for four or five years, I came back to Bellingham to stay with my mom again. And then I got my GED to join the military, was denied because of my felonies, so I got a job. I became a second lead at my job. One night, I was drinking some good tequila, and went over the top of the hill at 150 miles an hour, my tie rod broke. So I went through the fence and flipped eight times at 150 and ended up in a coma, ended up in a coma with a severe traumatic brain injury. After I got out of the coma, I was given to my mom's custody because she, was, she wasn't out being a nurse when she was younger. So they let me stay with her and came and did evaluations with me for months after that. I finally got to where she let me leave and I rode my bike by the Good News Fellowship. I talked to the pastor, Bill Kugler. He, I go, can I get a Bible? He gave me a Bible. I took it home just to read the book of Daniel to see what it said to me. So I um, went back to the church and saw Bill again. He was like, you like the Bible? I'm like, yeah, it's, it's, it's real. I was like, oh, you, you want to pray? Repent? I'm like, yeah. Because a felon, player, drug addict, thief, there's no arguing that, that I'm a sinner. So repenting was no, no, no flinch. So I went in there and prayed. And when I repented, I felt his spirit coming to my heart. I said to the pastor, Bill, I go, Bill, fuck, he's got a body after mushrooms. He's like, that's the Holy Spirit. So I had no, I had no, I was not expecting the Holy Spirit, God to give me a spirit. He, he's so good. Everybody on this earth, everybody who is alive, who has lived and will live, has to know about God. You don't have to accept it, but you gotta know. If his word can go spread seeds, the internet is huge. Most of my friends on Facebook were people I knew from growing up. So there's maybe like a thousand friends I knew from growing up. One or two or three hundred friends deleted me because I kept preaching. People were sick of it. One guy said, it's not, I've, I've heard too much. You're gone. He deleted me, unfriended me. God prompted a bunch of people to send me a friend request. So right now I have like 5,000 friends. 4,000 friends. People I would, a lot of them are preachers from all over the world. It's awesome. When I wrecked my car, I was not saved, not even near saved. I was the guy that God would not want his family. I am the far too lost. I swore every, I mean, if I said 15 words, 10 were cuss word. Maybe only five, but I didn't care, didn't, didn't matter. Now, by his spirit, it matters. I do mess up once in a while, but he, the Spirit of God gets all the credit for that because I didn't change me. He changed me. I can't believe he chose me. I, I mean, he, he can make, he's God. He can make a better choice than me. Go choose him. I mean, why me? Because that's how he is. Nobody, nobody can earn God's grace. Nobody deserves his mercy. If you see this video, and you're not saved yet, and he's if he's calling you, please repent. He has such a good plan for you. He loves you. He loves you so much he came to earth and lived life you could not. And took the punishment you deserve. Pray this prayer. Lord, 
I'm sorry for living my sinful life. Thank you for coming to earth to live, to live the life I could not. Thank you for God for dying the death I should. Thank you for resurrecting from, from death so I could be forgiven. Thank you, Lord, for accepting me. And I say this in Jesus the Christ's name through the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Please give me your spirit. Amen. Thank you, Daniel, for being willing to do that and to put your story out there, your life out there, and your example of living a better story. When you had it all together, when you thought you had it all together, and that, that moment in time, and God, God spared your life, and he, he brought you to him in that beautiful, beautiful moment of, of surrendering your life. And so we're, we're very thankful what God has done, and God has continued to use you. So awesome. So thank you for being so brave to share that today and, and taking time to do it. We all have a story. And so today we're going to look one more time at a story that maybe for you, you've gone through a lot. Maybe hasn't been a tr you know, car accident at 150 miles an hour, but all of us have tragedies throughout our life. We all have car wrecks in our life that we've, we've gone through one after another and after another. And that's where it makes it really difficult. That's where the narrative gets real hard because tragedy, problems, difficulties, struggles, one on top of the other, it can really affect your heart. It can really affect your attitude. And, and, and so how do we, how do we get, continue to move past that? How can we write and live a, a better story? And if, if you felt that way at all, um, at times it's just one thing after another, you're going you're gonna to really you know, relate with, with today. You're going to relate with a guy named Joseph. Uh, it's very famous in scripture that we're going to look at today. And Genesis 37 is where we pick up Joseph's story. It's an amazing story how he had 11 brothers, uh, all half, all half brothers. And if you've been in a blended family, grew up in kind of just dysfunction, there's nothing really, well, you might be able to compare yourself to some of this story. So, so part of it, what happened was Joseph, uh, his, he, he was the, the favorite of his father, Jacob. And the reason he, for he was the favorite is because uh, Jacob's favorite wife was Rachel. Now, back then, he's the favorite wife, only, only wife? No, he had multiple wives. And, and you know, when you're rich and that, that's what you did. That was a sign of wealth. And, and so Jacob's favorite wife had one child, and that was Joseph. And Joseph was considered the favorite and Jacob expressed his favorite child with a very special coat that he made himself and he presents it to Joseph in front of all his brothers can you imagine this moment where he says I want you to let you know how, if you're wondering who my favorite is it's my favorite is this beautiful son Joseph and I, I adorn him with this wonderful coat Okay, and, and, and if you if you ever been the favorite or wish you're a favorite, you know there can be sibling rivalry. You 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 know this if you've if you grew up with with a family where there's maybe a brother or sister who is just a little bit better at what 
they do than you. You, you might have a, 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 a brother that just was academically was always, and you go through school, and, and they would say, why can't you be more like your brother? Maybe you were, maybe you're an athlete. You're, you're pretty good, but you were not as good as your sister, and you're, you're like following the footsteps and the shadows of others around you. There, there's a term, you know, FOMO, fear of missing out. There's, I guess there's a new thing now, uh, FOPO, which means fear of other people's opinions. And I think I relate with that a little bit more. Well, fear of missing out, I, I sometimes do that as well. I miss opportunities, I think. But it's this feeling, this pressure that was on there. And, and so here Joseph is the favorite child. And this is what it, it's described. It says, when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. So he's blackballed, okay? And making it difficult... Joseph decides to say he had a dream one night, and he says, hey, I want to let you know my dream. I, I, I had this dream that all of you one day are going to bow down to me. Like, you're already on the outs, man. And now you say that, and we've said these things before in our naivety and innocence and maturity. Like, you know, and we've maybe done this even in our face sometimes. We, we might have said, you know, why are you doing this? Well, God told me this. I'm like, well, I don't even believe in God. And, you know, and we, we, we can say things maybe not the best timing of it. Even though it might be a dream, even though it might be something, a desire, it's not best. I'm like, bro, timing's not great here. You're not helping your cause of winning anybody over. And... And, and so Joseph has these dreams, and, and then they just hated him all the more. And this jealousy was going on. And then on top of that, Joseph, or Joseph's dad, Jacob, would have Joseph go out to the field and check on the brothers. My, my favorite son, I want you to go out, and then I want you to come back and report to me. So now he's a narc. Now he's a tattletale going back. So all this is against Joseph one after another. And so one day as he's going back and give a report and they go, here he comes, this dreamer, let's kill him. That's what we should do. Well, Reuben, the oldest, goes, no, that's not a great, that's not a great plan. Not that he didn't want to do that. Like, that's going to really tick off dad to kill our brother, okay? Let's, let's work on a different plan. And so they were trying to figure out what to do. They put him in a, a dry well and all of a sudden there's a, a caravan of Ishmaelites coming along and like, you know what we should do? We should sell him. Now, you don't have to raise your hand if you ever thought you wanted to sell your brother or sister when you're, when you're a kid. But they literally did this, okay? They literally did this. Hey, you know, oh, we're going to kill him. We, you know, you probably said that to your sibling. I'm going to kill you. They really wanted to do that. They really wanted to sell him as a slave. And so, so they, they, they basically take his coat, his beautiful, beloved coat, and they smear it with some animal blood, and they bring it to their father, and they say, He's dead. A wild animal got him. All along, the Ishmaelites took him as a slave. Well, they sell him to a guy named Potiphar, who's the captain of the Egyptian guard. And this is what it says in verse 39. It says, The Lord was with Joseph, so he prospered, and he lived in the house of his Egyptian master. From the time he put him in charge of his house and of all he owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. The blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care, and with Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except the food he ate. Think about this. Despite the, the, the betrayal, despite the, the pain and everything, the Bible says that, Joseph, that God was with Joseph. Now why is that? Why, why does it say that? Well, we're going to get to the, some reasoning for this in a, in a moment. 
But I want to encourage you, despite whatever you're going through, whatever you're having through, there's this promise there that, that God is with you. Well, Joseph comes to a test, really, of his integrity, not only his loyalty to his master, but to the Lord himself, because the boss's wife had a little hots for him. And not very subtle, basically, one day she says, come to bed with me. And he goes, I will not defile myself, my master, my Lord. And, and, and so he, he continues to brush her off. Well, one day she grabs him, and he pulls away, and his coat or his cloak comes off, right? And he runs away. Now she has a coat in hand. I'm thinking, Joseph, these coats are getting you in trouble, man. you got to not wear a coat, okay? And she takes the coat because now, you know, is anything can be said and what she did. And she says, hey, this, this, one, of your, one of your servants here, he tried to take advantage of me. Well, of course, the boss believes his wife. And so Joseph is thrown into prison. And the end of 39, this is what it says. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. And he showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of a pr the prison warden. So the, the warden put Joseph in charge of all that held in, in prison. And he was made responsible for all that was done there. The warden paid no attention to anything under Joseph's care because the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success in whatever he did. Again, here he's falsely accused. He's thrown in a dungeon. And, and, and the Lord is still blessing Joseph with favor and honor, and he's now put in charge. He's put in charge of Potter's house, put in charge in, in, the, in the prison. Why? Well, we're going to get to that here in a moment. Joseph is in prison for several years, and different people come and go in the prison, and, and in this time frame, there is a cupbearer, falsely accused, you know, and then his, he's basically, his record is clean, you know, it, it, you know, he got vindicated, and he goes back as the cupbearer to the pharaoh. Well, during, during prison time, Joseph was good in helping, 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 helping his friends actually interpret dreams. They get a dream. Hey, Joe, tell me about my dream. What does it really mean? And so the cupbearer goes to Pharaoh and begins his service there. Well, the Pharaoh keeps getting this dream over and over again. It's this dream of seven fat uh, cows and seven skinny cows and seven stalks of weed and, and then seven with the heads off. And he's like, I get this dream over and over again. I don't know what it means. I don't know what to do. And the cupbearer goes, I know a guy. And so they bring Joseph in to the, the Pharaoh. And I heard you can interpret dreams. He says, no, I can't, but God can. So Joseph tells them that the dream, it's seven years, Pharaoh of Egypt's going to experience abundance and seven years of famine you need to stock up. The kingdom needs to stock up. Well, that reaction was so amazing because, you know, you, when we read this, keep in mind, Pharaoh is not a worshiper of Yahweh, Jehovah. He is a polytheistic guy who worships many gods. Listen to what he says about him. Can we find anyone like this man, one in whom the Spirit of God? He goes on, he says, since God has made all this known to you, there is no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be in charge of my palace, and my people are to submit to your orders. Only with respect to the throne, I will be greater than you. There it is again. God is with Joseph. Favor upon Joseph each and every time. Why? Well, we're going to 
We're going to get to that here in a moment. Fast forward seven years later, all of this happened. Seven years of abundance, and guess what? Seven years of famine take the land. Well, Scripture says neighboring nations begin to beg Egypt. You wonder how Egypt got so strong and everything happened in history. Here it was. They were, they were in abundance, and so they're begging. And guess who's coming in, in, the, in the soup kitchen line? Guess who's in line? His brothers. And the brothers don't recognize their kid brother because he's grown up. But Joseph recognizes his brothers. Now, if there's anybody that had the right to take revenge, if anybody had a right to stick it to him, I mean, these are the guys that wanted to kill him. They wanted to, they, you know, they put him, you know, put him in a hole, and then they sold him as a slave, and then all the things that happened to him, and the imprisonment and torment and everything happened. What does Joseph do? What we look here is this, is that he forgave him. He forgave him. You're like, how could you do that? Forgives, how could you do that? Now, all that happened to you, well, what happened? That led to this better story that's going to be written. But how could he, how could he forgive? How could he actually be so generous to them? And why does this keep saying the Lord is with Joseph despite all the setbacks? Well, here's, here's our core truth today is this. The Lord is with those who don't harbor grudges, but dwell in, on his goodness. The Lord is with those who don't harbor grudges, but dwell in his goodness. Listen, offense is going to happen in our life left and right. You're going you're to leave this parking lot and someone's going to pull right in front of you and you got ticked off and you didn't even get out of the church parking lot yet, right? Some of you are like, that ha- let me know if that happened to you, okay? It's, we're going to get, it's going to happen, but what do we do with what's happened to us? Do, here, here Joseph, he had this choice. Do I write a bitter story or do I write a better story. See, we, we scan all the years and all that happened to him. Is that even possible? Is that even able to do that? Well, here's the thing. Why was he able to forgive? Because he, I believe this, he never let that offense, he never let the hurt harbor in his heart. He didn't let it dwell in there. Did he get things happen to him? Absolutely. He's not denial all the things that happened to him. But what did he do with that? I think some of us could the same way. Maybe you've been, been hated and betrayed by your family. Maybe you've been falsely accused. Maybe you've been in prison. Maybe you, 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 you know, you've been abused physically, sexually, emotionally. Maybe you've gone through neglect and pain and setbacks. Everything happened to you. What do you do with that? Will that harbor, that hurt will harbor in your heart? Here's the thing. Will you let and live or will you live as a victim in your own story, or are you willing, with the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, to pick up the pen and write a better one? And here's the, here's the hard truth in all of it. Whatever you've gone through, what people have done to you, it is not your fault. It is not your fault. You've made your own choices. Don't, you're not out of that. But what people have done to you is not your fault. But you are 100% responsibility from this point on. You and I have a choice in the matter. Here's the question. Ask yourself, will I let my past hurt be my excuse for not taking responsibility for my life right now? That's the hard truth, isn't it? That is so hard to hear in our lives. But we look and we see this model. If anybody went through a lot had, could easily could write off to live a, a, a bitter story would have been Joseph, but he doesn't choose that. 
So I want to give you some thoughts here as we wrap up this Live a Better Story series. I want us to just think, how do, we, how do we guard from grudges to experience God's goodness? We sang it today that God is good. How do we really, truly live that out? Here's some thoughts. First is this, you're taking notes. Recognize God has always been there even when we have not seen it or felt it. We sing a song, Waymaker, in church. It says, even though I don't feel it, even though I don't see it, Lord, you're moving, you're moving. God, you are at work, even though I feel it. Joseph, we recognize this. He, he, you know, it's written, the writer of Genesis is writing, saying, God was with Joseph each and step of the way. He, this is God's favor was with him. I think Joseph recognized that. He recognized that when he was a, tempted to sin or pulled in to do something wrong, the Lord was with him. The Lord, had, he recognized God's presence in his life step by step in the season by season in his life. I think sometimes we, we take Daniel's story and we think like something traumatic, something dramatic happens in our story that rocks us to, to the degree that we need to turn and repent and, and follow Christ. And many people have that kind of story, dramatic stories. But some of us didn't drive at 150 miles an hour and, get in, and, 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 and have an accident like that. But we've had things over our years where God has shown up and has shown himself to pull us toward him over and over and over again in our life. And God always desiring, he says, I want to be with you each and every circumstance in your life. Another thing to think about this, he's not only with us, it's this, that God's favor comes through acknowledging God's goodness. That favor comes through acknowledging God's goodness. Multiple times it says the Lord granted Joseph favor. What happened? When he was a slave to Potiphar, he became in charge of the household. When he was in prison, he was in charge of the, the, the prison yard. When he came to Pharaoh's palace, he's second in command of Pharaoh. All this was happening. And listen, I'm not saying you're going to get promoted and you're going to get money and you're going to get fame and anything like that. That's, that's not what we're saying here. But where does favor lie? God's favor seems to be resting on the people that don't hold grudges, but turn to the Lord and experience his goodness in their life. Because the opposite I've found is true. I've never really known a lot of complaining people to get promoted. Do you know anybody that you work with in your job? Like that guy or that lady, she complains all the time, and now she, now some of you are like, no, there is somebody like that. Okay, well, maybe it's not a healthy company you're working for because you've experienced that. That's not right right? But they, I haven't experienced, I haven't seen anybody that has a crappy attitude about their day that, that they're, they're, the favor of God is over them. It's quite, it's quite the opposite. I can't, I can't think of anyone like that. But God chooses to bless in the way he blesses it, but there's something about his favor. It doesn't mean, again, you're getting all the material possessions the world gives, but there's something about experiencing his peace. There's something about experiencing his love and, and, and gratitude and there's there's kindness in your heart it all comes from the fact that you're not holding anything out on anyone else see forgiveness is this forgiveness flows more easily when our hearts are healthy forgiveness flows most e more easily when our hearts are healthy again it's not that there's not going to be offense things are going to happen this week and i, I pray lord for when it happens i'm aware of it uh there, this morning there's a my wife has this little calendar flip thing by the coffee pot, and it said today for June 26, don't sweat the small stuff. And I'm already hot in my house. I'm already sweating, so I was like, and then there's little things that happen getting ready for this service. I'm like, 
I'm not going to sweat the small stuff. I'm not going to. I'm not going to let myself go there. And I, I did go there a couple minutes. And I guess the, the the challenge is being aware of it, but not letting it harbor the little things and the big things. When offense comes, what do I do with it? It forgiveness flows better when we haven't held grudges. I think the challenge for us sometimes is that. We, we get offended in our, and we look back on our story. Because we, last couple of weeks I talked about the story you tell yourself. And when you've been hurt as a child or whatever in these compound areas of your life, and then you throw something else on top of another offense, it's not just this offense. It's the needle in the haystack, right? It pushes us over. And we're like, why do I do this? What is it, all the work or all the, the buildup, the sediment that's built up of unforgiveness? We bank unforgiveness so much in our life and then when something comes over it takes us over it's it's this body of grudges that we can have and it's a lifetime to get through i'm not saying quickly you're through it it's working back into our backstory and going god have i let that go god do i what do i need to do with this to to forgive even people maybe that have already passed on because forgiveness isn't just about them because sometimes when we look at forgiveness like, oh, if I forgive them, then, then they're off the hook. No, no, no. God will deal with them. We'll talk about that here in a moment. God will deal with them, but the forgiveness is for you. You're the one that's in prison, but it's a lifelong thing. I remember when my, uh, my dad passed away. I've told my story many times to you. And then my mom met a guy, and she started dating him. And I was a smart, smart aleck teenager, but it wasn't for him to to be he's not my dad but he tried to step in and my dad would never have done this my dad th- this this guy he he hit me in the face a couple different times that was his way of setting me straight pushed me off the counter and i hated the guy but during that time the lord i accepted the lord i was getting discipled and i was realizing that this these bad feelings toward him i've got to let go because i recognize and, and even in my young god's grace in this i didn't want to harbor this stuff and over time and over time, I was able to forgive him. I spent time at altars and camps and different things. Lord, I want to let this go. I want to let them go. And it, legitimately, I forgave him. Now, fast forward like 25 years later, uh, my stepdad, my mom didn't marry the guy. She didn't tell me she married him, and that was a whole other thing. Um, but they've been married, and now he's, he's, quite a bit, he's quite a bit older than her. And she, he's now basically with dementia. He broke his hip, and we were over at their house, and she said, could you help me? move him from the chair to the couch. Would you be able to do that? So we get there, and he started slipping a little bit. And I thought, man, this is my shot to drop, to drop this old buzzard right here. And I thought, oh my gosh, 25, 30 years later, it's still there, isn't it? I've worked through it. I've worked past it. It's still there. It's a process. Hear me on. It's a process that we go through. But what do we do? I keep going back to what Jesus says in the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us of our debts as we have been forgiven of our debtors. As we also have forgiven our debtors. Forgive us of our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. There is this debt, debt and relationship, debtor and relationship that we do. That person owes me something. They owe me apology. They owe me, they owe me a favor. We, we, we do this, and we, we have these accounts all over the place. And we need to reconcile that and say, God, I reconcile that I owe a lot to you. I have a debt that I can't pay. My life, of bank, I banked up a lot of offense toward you. And I know it's only through the cross that you can forgive me. And when we live in that place of gratitude, we begin to let go of these grudges 
Ask yourself today, who am I harboring hurt towards that I need to forgive? Again, you're going to get offended this week. I'm going to offend. We're not bulletproof that things are going to happen. But what do I let that fester and where it gets down? Hebrews says that don't let a, a root of bitterness spring up because that's where you miss the grace of God. Don't do it. But identify what that might be. Because know this and guarding from grudges is this. How we handle the hurt will help us see the greater good. How we handle the hurt will help us see the greater good. It's amazing the heart of Joseph, whose, whose brothers were probably wondering what's going to happen to him. Scripture says at the end of, of Genesis, uh, it says that when Joseph's brothers saw their father was dead, they said, what if Joseph holds a grudge against us and pays us back for all the wrongs we did him? Dad's gone. Now there's no net. There's no protection. What's going to happen? Look at verse 18. It says, His brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. Oh, Joseph's going, that sounds familiar. Because I dreamed as a teenager that you guys would bow down. And here you are, bowing down. Did that happen? Quite the opposite. Because here's the opportunity he could have. Here's the opportunity he could have stick it, stuck it to him. I mean, this is his shot. This is the opportunity. Maybe you've looked for that opportunity. Maybe you planned this over and over again that one day when I see that person, I'm going to let them know. I'm going to let them have it. When I am now in charge and I'm in power, they're going to pay. They're going to go out. This is your shot. Joe, do it. Right? It's the karate kid, right? You know, get them. What does he say? You know, um, make them hurt. Make them pay. There's a line in terms of karate kid. Um, you know, do it, you know, like, you know, take them down. You have this opportunity. You have the opportunity to pay. No, nope, this is what it says. Here's your shot. He goes, nope, don't be afraid. I am in the, am I in the place of God? Am I in the place of God? Joseph recognized, despite his pain, that even, even in the, he had power, he, he chose and recognized that it's not his job to judge God. This is what Apostle Paul says. This is so, fits so well. Says this, dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scripture says, I will take revenge. I will pay back, pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. In doing this, this is a good thing, you will heap burning coals and, uh, of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. That was fulfilled by Joseph's actions. He had the opportunity to really stick it to him, to really take him down, to really make him pay the price for what they did to him. But he chose not to. And what happened was this epic moment of redemption. Check out what Joseph says. Here it is. Here's the, here it is, right here. You intended to harm me, but God intended for good to accomplish what is being done, the saving of many lives. That's it. That was the reason. That was the reason. We, we sang the song, Romans 
8.28, for God is, you know, all works things together for good for those who love or call to glory in his purpose. Why? That's not just a bumper sticker because of what was reflected here. There's a greater good that God was doing, and he was doing it through Joseph. And Joseph chose not to let the hurt harbor in his life. He chose to forgive for goodness, the saving of many lives. But here's the beautiful thing of the story. Joseph isn't the hero of this story. Joseph is just a foreshadowing. He's just, a, he's just as we look at the entire story of God, he is just an example of our great elder brother, as we talked a few weeks ago, Jesus himself. It's a forerunner what Jesus did to save many lives. I'm going to invite our team to come. They're going to give you communion here today. We want to make sure we get straight in the story. We want to get our story straight here as they're passing it out, okay? You're not the hero of your story, but you don't have to be the victim either. Jesus is the hero. Jesus the one, and his work on the cross is to save many lives. If you thought you've experienced injustice, nothing compared to what Jesus went through. If you thought you went through pain and difficulty, nothing compared to what Jesus went through. The suffering and the punishment for a person that did nothing wrong. A person that was 100% not his fault at all. And when he was crucified on that cross, what do you say? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And as you receive this communion, I want you just to go ahead and open it up right when you receive it, and I want you to just take a moment to reflect upon what Jesus did for you, saving many lives, including your own today, and then we'll partake together. Spirit is within me because 
of life, that I can have life now and for eternity. Lord, what do I have to complain about? If you have forgiven me, and if you've done this cleansing work, and Lord, I'm walking in this incredible gratefulness for your goodness, how, Lord, why I continue to hold grudges of lesser offenses, of lesser things that people have done to me. All that you've done for me, Lord. Lord, help me in the moment right now. I inspire to forgive. I inspire to let go. I, I want to. I desire, Lord. Will you help me to let go of that grudge? The, the hurt and the bitterness in my heart, Lord, it's surfaced again. Lord, I submit it back to you. In light of the cross, in light of the resurrection, Lord, I'm empowered to take the pen and, of my, the life you give me, Lord, and to leave this place and to go into this week and to live a better story that you're writing in my life and helping me write in my life. I'm empowered by your very spirit to do that, Lord. But Lord, I know I will get offended this week. Lord, I know that my feathers will get ruffled this week. Lord, I know it will not always go my way this week. Lord, help me to come short and recognize that I don't want to let any hurt, I don't want to let any bitterness harbor in my heart any longer, nothing to build up, that I can freely, as I freely receive, Lord, of forgiveness, Lord, I can freely forgive by your power through your Holy Spirit. Lord, if there's some here today that even now they're, they're still trying to understand the gospel, maybe they felt like Daniel was, they're just, they, they're just new to this and they recognize they're in need of you, they recognize they're a sinner. Lord, may they just say, Jesus be my Lord, I repent of my sins. Maybe they prayed in the video that Daniel prayed, Lord, may today be their day of salvation. That as they freely receive that forgiveness, Lord, God, they, they would be freely able to forgive. And I pray that for all of us as well, as we leave and as we go, empowered by you, in Jesus' name, amen, amen. I'm gonna invite you to stand. You can pass your cups to the aisle or our team will pick them up. We thank you for gathering here today. Go ahead and stand as we just close here. We're gonna finish the song that we started. And just let that, in spite of the resurrection and the, and the cross and all that God's done, let's, let's sing a gratefulness and worship to him. And I really, really hope you come next Sunday. Um, I, I, I never say this a lot, but I actually think I'm, I'm writing a message next Sunday at the, for the amphitheater. I, it's, I don't know how great it'll be, but I really, it's important. It's a, I think there's something really, really important that the Lord wants us to be and know as the body of Christ. So I hope you can make it a priority to be there. Bring some friends. I think it's a great opportunity to invite people, get connected. I'm, I'm praying for a great time of unity. I'd love to see you all there for that. Have a great week. Let's sing this together. If you need any prayer, our team will be available afterwards. Have a great day.